On this week's show, Steve King looks ahead as the darts get ready for the playoffs. And is the FA Vars back on the agenda? We hear from Corinthian boss Michael Golding. I really hope that whoever the four teams from the trophy in the Vars, whoever gets there, that you are able to have fans and family and whatever else there, because I think that's what the whole the whole day is all about. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. Uh, we've been away for a few weeks but as Dartford get ready for their playoff eliminator at Sloughtown on Sunday we are back looking ahead to that game and discussing the rest of the goings on across the county. Just in case you've forgotten I am John Phipps I'm 38 years old I live in Eastbourne and I used to be a Virgo but apparently now I'm a Leo and on the line now is a man who's not only an expert on non-league football a good friend of mine and an all-round good egg but also currently leading a Premier League predictions league with just a smattering of fixtures remaining. It is, of course, Mr. Matthew Gerrard. How are you, mate? I've always been Leo, John, because my birthday scene. But um, if I'm, if I'm, I, I, I did some of it on the radio this morning about this, but not that I follow that mumbo jumbo. But if I'm, if you're Leo now, I'm going to be something different, am I? Well, I think so. Yeah, I think you're, you're. Everyone's changed, apparently. All right, because I've created a new star sign, and uh, so I've gone from a Virgo to a um to a leo i think everyone's gone back a bit so you're probably a, a, a cancer now mate <laughs> some people really say that for a long time yeah yeah exactly yeah not too bad mate yeah not too bad i'm back at work week on week off um kids education has finished so um that's a tick off the box that's been done um apart from that enjoying the weather um we had my wedding anniversary um, that's about it, really. Nothing too too exciting. So um, just plodding on, waiting for football to come back. And we have one of our sides actually playing for the first time since. Well, if you were a journalist, you'd say, "Oh, it's 163 days." But I don't know if it is. But if you were, have you worked out how many days? Of course, we'll, to... we'll get there. Give me time. Uh, so we'll you've done there. it. Yeah, well, good. John has a script, you see. I'll do this off the top of my head, but I knew he'd be up for the game there. So yeah, I'm good though, mate. Good to see. You. And I hope, how's your business going? Yeah, very well, very, very well. It's uh, it's it's good. It's it's nice to see that things are picking up and people are coming to visit us. So it's it's very nice. And uh, yeah, we're 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 doing all right. And then so far, yeah, it's a bit different. Um, but so far, it, it's absolutely fine. You mentioned it was your wedding anniversary, mate. You do a lot of things in the summer, don't you? Have kids, have a birthday. Yeah. How many years has, has, has Mrs. Gerard been putting up? Thirteen. Thirteen. And when I said it, everybody goes, "Oh, unlucky for some." So thirteen yeah. years. Unlucky for Mrs. Well, do you know what the, the traditional gifts for thirteen years are? I've not got a clue. You better tell us though. So in America, it's lace. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, and apparently, in the modern uh, world, it's textiles or furs. So um, well, we can't have fur these days, can you? Well, so, no, but that, apparently that's maybe, maybe I'll get her a textile mask, shall I? There you go. Yeah, my sister is making us a mask, so that could be our anniversary gift. So oh, very nice. Mask. Yeah, there you go. Oh, so 13 years ago, eh? What was yesterday, what was uh, July? Yeah, 13 years ago yesterday. So what was the 14th of July 2007 like? Nice day. It was a nice day. Yeah, it was one of those ones because up to the point it had been chucking it down with rain, and um. Bizarrely, I had a job interview for Kent on Sun, Kent on Sunday, on the oh, Thursday. Blimey. Before, I thought I it there, mate. Yeah, it didn't take <laughs> When I was wanting to get in, but I didn't take that. So, And it was it was raining all day, but the, the main day, it was a lovely day. And it, then there was a thunderstorm when we went, when it all finished about 12 o'clock. So, yeah, but it was a, and we went off to honeymoon for a couple of uh, the day after. So, um, 
Yeah, 13 years. So that's quite a long time, isn't it? I'm getting older and older. So, but... oh, my only question about it is, is um, do you still commemorate, I think that's the right word, the, the day that you actually met, the day that you, you became a couple? Uh, well, I know what the date is, and we sort of say that, but we don't really do We don't even send um, anniversary cards, so to be honest. So we don't really do too much on either day. But we always sort of say around it, oh, it's, it'll be 19 years next year when we first went out on our first date. So... Um, that was that was February. That was on the summer, John. So we did do something oh, different in the oh, summer. Good. There, so. Excellent. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so that's thirteen years. So thirteen years. So. Excellent. That ties in quite nicely. It's our hundred and thirtieth episode this week. That's a lot, isn't it? Crikey. Anyway, not a lot of cultural references for that, but apparently it is a doubly strictly adverb number. Uh, and if I was a number, I think that's how I'd want to be thought of. It's also the largest number that cannot be written as the sum of four hexagonal numbers. Now, Matt, someone described you as a COVID accredited teacher after our last show. So surely you will now give us the lowdown on all of that. Yeah. Mm, struggling, struggling. on. on I do know the prime numbers, knew about fractions. And other bits and pieces, but that hasn't come up in the uh, education for the kids. So, to be honest, so uh, no, pass. Fair enough. Uh, it's been a busy few weeks anyway since we cleared off from any break. In truth, neither has actually been anywhere, but there you go. Uh, so we'll start in the only place we can, and that is the first competitive match involving a side from the county since Saturday, March the 14th. And that fixture, 128 days later, um, is a big one. It would have been 130, wouldn't it? So it would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah, it would have been really good. But unfortunately, 128 it is. Uh, Slough Town against Dartford in the National League South playoff eliminator. Uh, on Sunday. Ahead of the game, I spoke to Darts boss Steve King. I started with a big question. Are you ready? Uh, as ready as anybody else will be. What has been the sort of challenges of, of trying to get your team prepared for this game, having not played for so long? Just the same as what everybody else is going to be accepting. Um, you know, everybody at all levels, really. Just, just uh, being off of football for four months, not having any, you know, any interaction with the ball. Um, we've been back in two and a half weeks now, so, you know, it, we, we, we'll be ready when it comes to the game on Sunday. And what's training been like? Has there been that sort of level of intensity that, that, that you'd like to see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been, uh, it's almost like they've been let off the spring. Uh, just wanted to get back and play. Um, we had a preparation game on Saturday. We played a uh, friendly away at Bournemouth Wood, who are in the five in the National League, who are in the playoffs. And we gave a really, really good account of ourselves there. I suppose looking at, at when it all sort of came to an end, you were probably in the county that the club you wanted it the least because you were in such good form and you and you would have been in in absolutely brilliant brilliant shape going into the playoffs are you hoping that that sort of carries on now that now that it's here even though it's a long time away yeah I, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna work like that it's, it's, of course it's frustrating I mean that our run was just honestly it was just incredible we're, we were fifth bottom when we came in there and the 23 games that we did we took 50 points which is over 2.2 points per game which was the best in the league by you know by, by a little bit, you know, so um, that's, all, that, that's out the window now, everybody's on an even playing field, I think, you know, even Haven who finished second, and I've just, you know, even down to Dorking, who lost six out of six, the last six games, or something like that, six out of seven, you know, they went to Notts County in a friendly on Saturday, and beat Notts County at Notts County, so who, are in, who finished third in the National League, so it's, 
and Slough who are playing this weekend will probably have maybe a little advantage going into the second game it won't be so much of a disadvantage as it might be normally uh, no I don't think so because the other teams are playing games as well you know haven't played uh, haven't played Barnet on, on Saturday Weymouth played uh, Yeovil so they'll probably get another game in when we play on the Sunday I think they'll play again on the Saturday so it won't be like that have you had any hitches with players? Obviously, because I know there was a lot of talk about contracts and, and concerns like that. Have you got your full squad available? Full squad available, totally. There was only one player that couldn't, couldn't do it because his partner's having a baby in, in August and he just solely wanted to concentrate on that, which I, I respect. Um, yeah, there's only one player missing from the whole from, from the group. That's good news, and obviously Slough is your opponents uh, at the weekend, and, and obviously they're a, they finished above you in the league. They beat you back in January, but as you say, it's a complete clean slate now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe that if, if if we'd have played the rest of the games in the season, we, I think we would have, we'd have finished higher. Uh, that was just my opinion. I mean, we had we still had um, Bath, uh, and Weymouth all to play, and two of them were at home, so we had a game in hand. So I, I do feel we would have finished higher, but, you know, it is where it is. Um, the game when we played them over there, it was, it was only 1-0, it was one shot on goal. Goalkeeper dropped it, the guy attacked it in, so it was a mistake anyway. Yeah, but they're notoriously hard to beat at home. Uh, they're well coached, good managers, well drilled, uh, hard to break down. Um, that's how they set their teams up, hard to beat. And obviously the game's been played behind closed doors. How do you feel about that? I mean, obviously Darts have got a great vocal support at home and away, haven't they? Yeah, but it, it is what it is. It's the same for everybody, you know. Same for them. they got no home fans. You know, if that had been fans, they'd probably have two or three thousand in there. So we, we can't grumble at that, even playing field. Obviously they know their pitch a little bit better than what we, what we all ground the surroundings, but there'd be no fans either way, so... And I suppose just just finally, the, 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 I guess the, the hard thing is, is if you get promoted or if you don't get promoted, you, do you feel you're going to be a bit behind in terms of next season, or are you already working on how things are going to look? No, already already working on it. Um, we've got a number of players signed already, um, so it's, it's just a matter of knowing what league we're going to be in, and, and then really getting our head down after that. I think just, if you got to the next level, what it opens up so much more uh, variety of players to you. Um, if we're in the same level, then, you know, we've, we've got a, almost a ready-made team and squad to go again. And, and I suppose also as well, I know you were very keen to, to get this done and, and it's going to be good that there is a resolution to the season and that everything wasn't for nothing. Oh yeah, I mean, we, I, I personally campaigned, you know, in the newspapers and the radio and certain, you know, I did my columns every week in a non-league paper just saying if football was safe to go back and play and other teams are doing it we want to be part of, part of that so I've really campaigned and you know that that's uh, does well I haven't had as well airing old and the you know the government and things like that and Mark at Dawkins the manager Dawkins Mark um, he was behind it all as well and Slough had done their little bit as well so 
tried to push as a as a group of people um, in in the conference south definitely, and I I think I'd go a long way in saying that if we didn't do all that pushing, there would there would have been no playoffs in north and south. And, and I suppose to sum up, if you were to get promoted, where would that rank in your achievements uh, as a manager? I know you've had a great career in non-league, but surely that would be pr- pretty high from where you were when you took over at Dartford. Oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be that, 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 that's another level of achievement in my opinion. It, to come from fifth bottom and just be wanting to stay in the division, that was the remit. Can we stay up to, to, to then come in the league and the playoffs and then... Steve King there, Matt, uh, says it would be one of his biggest achievements to get Dartford promoted. And I suppose he makes a good point from where they were. Absolutely amazing performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the old soccer base. It's one of my sources of uh, information. And you, he has done a job there. He mentioned 50 odd points, didn't he, when he came in? And, and we said this before. He's a manager at that level. We were shocked that they went in for him, but they've done a job there. Now they've got to go and beat a side who's beaten them twice. And in fact, the last home win that Slough actually had before the breakdown was against Dartford. So it's going to be tough. I think they'll be well organised, well drilled. And I know we said about this. I see there's no extra time in these games, is there? Which I think is an absolute disgrace. I'm not saying that Dartford are going to park the bus. But surely if you're away from home, you can think, right, we can play for penalties. There might be teams in the playoffs who would do. The advantage maybe has gone from the home side a little bit. A, we've got no fans in there. And B, there's no extra time. I think the, the National League has made a real boo-boo there from that point of view. And there will be some side, you know, that will try and play for penalties in all the great games. I'm not saying Dartford will, but I think that's it. But it's an interesting game. Slough, former National League side, 3G pitch, having a good season. Got Ryan Bird playing for them. We all love Ryan Bird. Again, like any of these playoffs, John, and we said to him about form, there's no form into this. Do it's a flip, it's a flip of a coin, isn't it? I see the it's, odds it's are out. Be. Right? It's got to be. It's because you you just can't call it. And and I know yeah they've played these these friendlies. Obviously they played Boreham Wood and Slough will obviously have played someone. But you can't replicate what's going to happen. And I think it's so funny to go in cold to what is the biggest game of the season. And you know I, I did kind of say that to Steve King. It, and my thinking stays the same that this playoff format can help the teams who are in these eliminator ties because they'll go, whoever wins that tie will go into the game against having a Waterloo with 90 competitive minutes over their opponents. And again, you say the home advantage has possibly dissipated a little bit. I think it's, it's wide open and, and any one of the teams in those playoffs has a realistic chance of getting promoted. I, I think yeah, you know, there's odds of it. I don't know. I haven't seen the There is odds about Dartford. I haven't seen the Conference South odds. Let me have a look at that on, on there. But it, you probably would fancy Dartford, Steve King. I think the Steve King factor with his experience, particularly in the playoffs, even though I don't think he's actually ever got promoted in a playoff final, but I think he's lost a few. But surely that must work in their favour. But yet yeah, it could go either way. How are they going to line up? Would you be looking at the side that finished the end of last season and do it from there. If somebody's looking sharp in pre-season, in the pre, well, mini pre-season, you go with them there. It's just an interesting one 
to see how it's all going to go. Because Slough going into it, we're in terrible form. But a few months break, they could be on fire. So really interesting time to see. Good luck for the darts. I've got a funny feeling they're going to do it, John. They'll beat Slough. Well, exactly. Uh, you mentioned the odds. I have odds in front of me. Gamble responsibly, kids. Uh, dart for 12 to 1 with one bookmaker to get promoted. And apparently that is the most popular bet on the odds checking website that I'm using at the moment. Um, what are the other odds then? What have they got so we've got Haven at Waterlooville, uh, best price 6 to 4. Uh, <laughs> this is to be promoted, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Weymouth, best price 5 to 2. Bath City, 13 to 2. Slough Town, you can get 9 to 1 on. Dartford, 12s. And you can get 20 to 1 on Dorking Wanderers. Now, you know, Dorking Wanderers, as, as Steve King said there, have just been and played Notts County. That they've, they've done very, very well. And Dor- Dorking Wanderers were one team who were in an awful run of form going into these playoffs. Fresh start for them. Do you know what? That 20 to 1, there'll be worse bets going around than that. I, I presume it must be on league pos- positions and they just sort yeah, of, of made, made it up on from there. So... Yeah, Darford experience could do it. Um, until you know how this, how you're going to react into a, I think maybe the intensity of the game. I've seen a few Premier League games. It doesn't seem much intensity um, in the games. And when, also, I find that goalkeepers aren't really diving that much. Have you seen in that? When I've seen the goals, I've seen. Mm. You know, you know that you know when you see a goal go in. You don't. It's not the same as a normal goal. I, I, that's probably a wrong way of describing it. But you see where I'm coming from. Yeah. If there's not as much, yeah, it's a big, it's, it's an ask for Dartford. Whatever they will be under Steve King, they'll be so organised and prepared. He'll know the opposition inside out. His players, as long as they're drilled and organised, that's all you can ask. And and again, they could win 5-0, lose 5-0 until we know going into this. But as you say, I think if they do get a result, you'd fancy them in the next game because they've had that 90 minutes under their belt working together and go from there. So, And, and it's been moved. It's, it's Sunday. It used to be Saturday, John, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, the game is now confirmed for Sunday. And uh, I'm not sure if it's been confirmed just yet. I'm just going to double check. But uh, rumour is that the game is going to be available to be streamed by Dartford fans uh, who, want, who obviously won't be able to be at the game uh, because of... Uh, the the current uh, climate, but yes, it is confirmed that the National League North and South playoffs will be live streamed uh, in in partnership with BT Sport and Sport Radar. Each of the ten games left in the North and South will be live streamed. Uh, there are games at half past one and four o'clock. Uh, the National League chief chief executive Michael Tattersall, he must have had a fun few months, has said due to matches being played behind closed doors, confirming broadcast solution has been an important part of our playoff preparations. This pioneering streaming service will create an opportunity for exposure of the competition on a global scale. We'd like to thank existing partners, BT Sport and Sport Radar, for their support during this process. Uh, This announcement adds to the already growing excitement that playoff action brings and uh, adding that they urge supporters not to congregate at their grounds. So obviously the game is being played uh, at half past one on Sunday uh, and it will be streamed. Details of how it actually will be streamed are going to be released shortly. But uh, yeah, if you get the opportunity to watch uh, to watch it, surely people chargeable be... is it? I, well, I don't know. Uh, that was I did hear that there was a chance it might be chargeable, but they might it might be through BT Sport. So you know, if someone had given me a BT Sport passport a password, I could be quids in. It could be, so it could be on the set. All right, interesting to see. Yeah, it's all up in the air. I, I probably will watch Bournemouth v Halifax just to see how the, the intensity from that on Friday. Yeah, yeah. That I'd rather watch that than. Um, I don't know, Man United v Sheffield United. So uh, I watched that on Friday. So just to see what it is. But good luck for the darts. Um, 
let's hope we're doing another show next week and they've managed to get through. So he was very, and that interview, Steve King, you know, he was being a bit, um, playing his cards post to his chest. It is what it yeah. is, um, which you can look at it that way. But if a decision goes against his, his side or something like that, maybe he won't be so, uh, it is what it is, uh, generosity if it comes to it. But of course, we're hoping the darts can get through and uh, at least get to the next round and start to believe. If they get, if they get promoted, you have to say, they had a one-three away game, so you know you can't take it away from them. If they do go up, it's a magnificent achievement. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting as well that he said, you know, all the managers were so keen to get these playoffs on. I know we've had our doubts about whether it, it makes sense or not, and you know, Steve Irvin wasn't sure when we spoke to him a few weeks ago, the, the co-chairman at Darts. But now it's here. It, it's exciting times, isn't it? And, and you've got to say well done to everybody who did lobby to get these games played. Yeah, I think it was the. It would have been easy to to let it all go and the, and I think it was fair on the National League North and South sides that they should have their moment um, rather than that. I know it's been to the detriment of one of our sides, but fair play to it. We finally got there, 128 days, whatever you was afterwards. And it looks like it could be a quick turnaround when this is all done. I think the final was what, 1st of August or something like that. Then you could be back into it again. But I don't know if it works their ways that even if you don't, Dartford don't get promoted, having come back and have a nice long pre-season and maybe they can hit the ground running on that point, from that point as well. Exactly. And I, th- I think obviously, you know, sometimes you see fatigue of players and so on and so forth. But like Steve King said there, they're just desperate to get out there. So I'm sure even if they do have the disappointment of not making it, they'll be happy to hit the ground running. And I, I would say these teams in the playoffs are among the favourites for the title uh, next season, whoever gets promoted, because they will just have that little bit of an extra boost. But a team who also will think that they have got a chance of being National League South champions next season are, of course, Ebbsfleet United. Uh, they released a statement yesterday uh, saying that they, having uh, regards to the wider interests of the National League, Ebbsfleet United have decided to accept the National League position and what that entails and will decline to proceed with the legal challenge process, which has been made available to the club. Uh, they wanted the supporters to have an update ahead of the playoffs starting. And they said it means Ebbsfleet United will be relegated if the playoffs are completed. We're fully aware of the fine lines and fractions that have led to this result and have certainly tabled them on behalf of all players, staff and supporters via the correct and proper channels. However, they have said now that, uh, and obviously they mentioned as, as uh, Damien Irvine did, the, uh, the that Stockport County game that they got that they got on, they worked really hard to get on. Uh, and, and obviously that then affected them in terms of the points per game average. Uh, but they say we've taken a considerable amount of legal advice and what options are available to us. Made representatives of the National League seeking answers and clarity. In short, we've made a strong case on behalf of the club. Uh, it's fair to say we disagree with the National League and their legal advisors on some matters and processes. It's also clear there is a very le- clear legal pathway available to the club to pursue the fight against what we are sure many supporters view as unfair and very unlucky outcome for the club. However, they have decided to make the judgment not to make a legal challenge and they were accepting that Ebbsfleet United will be a National League South Tick club next year. And um, the right thing to do, I, I suppose, Matt, but uh, obviously hugely disappointing for, for, for Ebbsfleet United. Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't know there was any legal ramifications. I don't know if they'd spoken to Fylde as well and thought, right, what we're going to do. I don't think Fylde, I don't know how they've seen a statement from Fylde saying that they've accepted relegation or maybe they're still thinking about it. But, you know, when we had Damien Irvin on the, on the show, um, he, he was, you know, I think quite disappointed. And as he said in that thing there, but maybe there's not much they can do. They've accepted that. They've got the new manager. They've brought a couple of players in or signed players up and they will go again. 
course, they'll be one of the sides ready to bounce back. They need to, they need to hit the ground running. I think it took them a couple of years, didn't it, when they were before, when they were red-hot favourites every year to go up and they didn't do it, finally did it through the playoffs. So some of the players may expect that from there, but they'll be disappointed. It'll be a tough National League South next season. And I do feel for them because if, if this was Dover in that position, I'd be absolutely heartbroken about how they've been relegated. So let's hope they can bounce back. But they'll be one of the sides up there. But it's going to be an interesting season for them, how they're going to work with the new manager and the new, the new coaching structure. So interesting times ahead for them. Yes, of course, we, we've discussed the manager, uh, Dennis Katriba, uh, at length before. Uh, starting to uh, make some some signings as well. Jordan Holmes and Alfie Egan are both staying at the club uh, for next season. Laurie Wilson is among the players uh, who have left Ebbsfit United so far. Also brought in a, 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 a someone else to, to work alongside uh, Dennis Katriba. I can't actually remember what his uh, job title is at the moment, Matt. Can, can, you, can you remember? Coach, yeah, it's, it's um, Taylor's, Alan Taylor, the West Ham son. Yeah. Um... Was it fitness and coach, fitness and conditioning coach or something I'm, like that? Again, another one, a bit like um, he's got a lot of experience. I think um, head Damon, of performance, Lee Taylor, uh, of course. So that so that is uh, he will be working closely alongside uh, Dennis Katrib and of course director of football Steve Lovell. Uh, and 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 I suppose this is a are they heading towards a sort of European style way of of, of running the club, Matt? It could well, it could well be. You've got your sporting director in. Steve Lovell and the head of conditioning and now the manager as well. Maybe again, some would say it's a top heavy management structure, but if it, if it works and they get promoted, it's the right way to go. So um, we'll see how it goes from there. It'd be interesting to see what some of their signings will be like. They've brought Egan. Um, I think with the goalkeeper sign, as you said there. So interesting to see what their other signings will be. So, and, we'll, and we should probably start seeing soon that some of these clubs will be start making signings. So it'd be interesting to see how, when clubs do come back, because there'll have to be a point that they'll have to get off the furlough system, I would have thought, and then we'll see comes back. I did speak to Andy Hissenthaler a week or so ago, and I think Dover basically wait until they get a date, probably need, what, four to six weeks pre-season training, and then, of course, you, you have to take your players off furlough, so the clubs need to start paying. So I see a lot of clubs have brought a few players in, but looking between the lines, they will not be paid until maybe middle of pre-season or something like that. So they've announced players, but no, no no payment will be done because clubs haven't got the money. Exactly. And at United, I, I don't think it will be, we'll be seeing many of the usual suspects who've been around that level uh, rocking up. No, so that, that will make for an interesting, uh, interesting few weeks and we will keep an eye on that. Talk about signings as well. Uh, there are loads going on all around the place. And um, we'll very quickly just stick with the National League South where Scott Rendell was signed on for Maidstone United. And, and I looked and I thought, oh, he must be knocking on a bit. But he's only 33, Matt, and, and a real nuisance at, at the level above. So that, to me, looks like a very good signing because Maidstone have lacked that sort of out-and-out goal scorer, target man sort of thing, haven't they, in the last few years? And I think Scott Rendell is a really, really impressive signing. Yeah, uh, Rendell's not the quickest in the world, but he's now... It reminds me a little bit of when Danny Kebwell sort of signed for Ebsleet sort of thing, where you're... You'll probably use him in fits and starts, but back to goal, leadership, fox in the box. It's a good signing. Adds a little bit of experience down the middle as well. I presume they're Lewington signing goal. So it's a good spine for the side. So Rendell, you probably, I don't know he scored, he scored for Eastley last year, but you, you're thinking he's going to get 15 to 20 goals next season, which could make the difference between a, a good season and a great season. So I think it's well. And they've got Joe Lulin, what I know from Maidenhead. 
who is a no-nonsense centre-half who will kick the man as well as the ball. And I think at that level, that's a good signing as well. So then, Hakan Emerson using players he's worked with before, which is interesting to see. But a couple of really decent signings for Maystone. We used to, if they can get the other players who were there last season, you had a Kobe's and players like that, you think Maidstone will be strong as well. Yeah, and uh, Tunbridge Angels, obviously that they have stayed up and, and they're building a little bit of a squad, getting some players in and some players who've been injured are, are back as well. Uh, but also a statement was released yesterday by the club and, and they've, they've said they are considering, uh, they have a working group to look into the possibilities of a 3 and 4G pitch. They've done a survey uh, with clubs who already have one uh, to see ha- how it works. But also in the meantime, uh, because of the, the problems that they had, obviously, with the pitch last season, uh, they are now looking at, at buying some covers. And the Tumbridge Angels fans have been very, very generous. And apparently, it's just a couple of thousand pounds short of the money that they need. And the pitch problems ended up almost taking over a little bit at Tumbridge Angels last year and, and taking the sheen off a, a very good run of form that lifted them out of danger. Yeah, I think uh, the, I think it sort of galvanised them a little bit when they were playing away from home. So interesting that they're looking into the process of a 3G pitch. I see Billericay, another side who were um, criticised for their pitch conditions last season. I think they didn't play many home games either. They've gone 3G. So again, it's the cost. I don't know if you get a, a grant to do that from the from the Football Association or from whatever the football um, granting authorities are. But they're looking into it and. We've had many discussions about 3G on this and maybe it's a, a lot of clubs think it's the way to go, John. And I think you'll probably find maybe could be maybe maybe a third, maybe a half of sides in the National League South next season will have a 3G pitch. So you can see where maybe the where it's going in the uh, in the National League, in the, near, in the, in the non-league pyramid. I see, exactly. So we've talked about Dartford, whose season's not over. And there is another team in Kent whose season is apparently not quite over. It was announced last week uh, that the FA Vars is still on. There's still a a chance for Corinthian uh, to reach that magical day at Wembley. Uh, They obviously have reached the semi-finals. They're supposed to be playing a two-legged tie with Hebben. That seems to be off now, the the, the two-legged element. Uh, But as you're about to hear from Corinthian manager and friend of the show, Michael Golding, there is still a chance that they could play at Wembley. The phone call that we got from the FA was probably the most positive they've been directly to us. They've always said it was their intention to play the Vars, but actually this was the first time I felt that it was probably a sincere, this is going to happen, these are the dates that we're hopefully looking for, and, and this is what we're going to do. So, yeah, I think the boys were pleased, and there was definitely a buzz about training um, when, when we told the boys last week. How's it all working for you then? You, you talk about training, and obviously normally now you'd be deep into pre-season, playing friendlies and stuff. What's the sort of schedule been so far? Very relaxed, if I'm honest. We, we took the decision that the boys had been doing their own bits and pieces away from, from football, as everyone had been during lockdown. Um, and we spoke to the boys as a collective on a, on a group chat Zoom call um, and said that the opportunity to come in at the club where, where we're nice and secure um, and do some social distance training in groups of five, we're, we're lucky that we've got a, a relatively big management side so we can have all of the players in at the same time and they've worked in their bubbles. And, and it's not been hard. We've not done ridiculous running and 5Ks and bleep tests in training because we've taken the view that there's no need at the moment. That, that time will come to start ramping it up. 
but at the moment it's very much light training we're doing a tuesday evening and a saturday morning um and it just touches on the ball and it's difficult with social distance training to to try and change it up and vary it because everything we do is small-sided games and that that, that's what our natural coaching is is small-sided games but but it's been good for us it's been challenging but i think the players have appreciated being in but yeah it's it's very much social distancing and we're just waiting for the go-ahead for for contact training really and where will the VAR sort of fit into to next season then? Will it be before you get into the crux of league games? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's our understanding is that, that we'll play, the VARs has to be played before um, before the next season starts. I think there's legal ramifications that the FA have to go to FIFA and, and it has to go quite high if they want to roll it into next season. Um, and again, like for us personally, in terms of player registrations and all the other sides in, in the VARs, I'm sure that there'll be issues with players having left or moved on or new players coming in and can you play them or can't you play them? So I think the understanding that we've got or what we've been told is that it will be played before the season starts. And obviously, with with player registrations, from from what I understand, it's you can't have players who wouldn't have been able to play normally. So, so if if, if the competition had gone ahead as it had, as it should have done, it's only the players that would be registered for that. Yeah, that's what we've been told. So they had to have been signed. I think it was the Friday before the semi final. Um, so we can't go to all our local national league sides and say, right, we want all of your players because we want to get to get to Wembley. Um, so I think that's probably the. the the biggest positive that we could have had in terms of registrations is it's last year's squads and we know that heaven have got a very good squad and they're very talented but but we've got some talented boys as well so i, I think going off last year's squads is, is definitely a positive for us and does that help you when you're looking at, at next year's squad as well does it, it i suppose it gives some of the players because you're obviously in a unique situation with your finances and everything like that so i suppose does it give you a carrot to, to keep players who may all may possibly have been looking elsewhere yeah, I think there's probably one or two that, that maybe would have looked to go elsewhere. It was probably at the right time for them to move on for, for varying reasons, some personal, some football-related. Um, but then you've got, obviously, the carrot of still potentially playing at Wembley in, in 90 minutes' time. Um, so we're not going to turn around and say that Wembley's a negative and the Vars is a ne- negative, because, of course, it's not. But actually, in terms of preparation, what we're obviously aware of is that we don't want to go, right, we're not signing anyone, we're keeping our 20 players that we had last year we lose in the semi-final or we win the final of the Vars and then we start the first league game and everyone goes, oh, actually, I'm disappearing to X, Y and Z and then we haven't got any players. So we're, we're, we're lucky that this is where we've been the manager for five years now. Sam's done it with me for four and a half. So we've been building and we've had the majority of the players. They've, they've played over 200 games, some of them 250 games. So we're not overly worried about losing too many players. Um, but yeah, we've we just got to make sure that the, the league campaign next season is the most important thing. Um, and we need to be ready for that as and when it happens. So l- looking at the Vars, and the, so the understanding is a one-legged semi-final some, somewhere in the middle, I suppose. Yeah, that's what we're led to believe. Um, again, like it's, it's all hearsay at the moment until we have dates. The, the way the FA led the phone call with our secretary, Sue Billings, was that they were waiting, they were meeting with Wembley to finalise a date for the final. And then from then, they would be able to choose a date for the semi-final, which we believe would be a week before at a neutral venue. Um, St George's has been spoken about as probably a, as a common denominator in the middle of the country. Um but again, I think that's just hearsay. But yeah, we, we believe it's a neutral ground um, somewhere in the middle. And, and when it comes to Wembley, would it be an open Wembley with supporters in or would it be a, a, like, like we've seen in the playoff finals? <laughs> to be honest, I sound like a broken record now. We don't know. Um, 
my concern is that it will be behind closed doors. Now, obviously, for the, for the players, and I've said all along that the vase is for the players. It's nothing to do with me. I don't get to run out at Wembley. Um, but I'm sure the players would want their friends, family, partners there to see them with this opportunity. And that's for all four sides. Whoever the two sides that get to Wembley, I would much rather have people there, whether it's a small amount of number. I, I, I've looked at historic attendances at FA finals there and they range from between 20 and 30,000. So if you if you were to go with a 25% capacity and have both finals on the same day, I, I think you could do it. Um but I think it's very tentative steps at the moment. But we, we've not been told. But I, I just personally, I really hope that whoever the four teams from the trophy and the Vars, whoever gets there, that you are able to have fans and family and whatever else there. Because I think that's what the whole the whole day is all about. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things. that I'm sure some wags would point out that you don't get the largest crowds anyway, so it wouldn't make that much of a difference. Ha, ha, ha. But the, 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 truth, the truth of the matter is, is that the, the carrot of Wembley is... is is the biggest day of your players' careers if, if they get the chance. And, yeah, you don't get to run out, but you'll get to put a nice suit on. And I know your family would want to be there as well. And I suppose that would take some of the shine off it, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we've, like, we've had chats with a few of our parents and like players' parents and stuff like that. And, and a couple of them said we'd rather the Vars was cancelled than not be able to watch our sons or partners or whoever play at Wembley. Um, and it's just that difficulty. Obviously, the players are desperate to get there and, and that's what they've worked hard for all year. Um but yeah, it's difficult because, like I say, I, I, I want, we don't have fans, like you say, we, we could start the season tomorrow with social distancing, it wouldn't bother us. Um, but yeah, the, the small band of supporters and parents and whatever else we have got, I'd be devastated if they couldn't see us if we did manage to get to Wembley, that, that would be heartbreaking for them. Yeah, and then obviously, the, the, I suppose the priority is the league season and, and, and you're obviously working hard at who you're going to bring in uh, and, and try and hit the ground running because I think it's safe to say there's probably a clear favourite for the title at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, I'd imagine so. It's quite obvious that I think everyone's money will be on to win the league and, and rightly so. The, the sign is that they're making a great um, and, it, and it just improves the standard of the league and it's now up to us to step up to that standard. So, yeah, I think obviously Chatham that we're talking about will be the favourites. I think... You'll have the same ones in and around it. Beckenham, Sheppey will be very good again. I'd imagine Glebe with Gary Alexander as manager will be will be there or thereabouts. And there's teams that went under the radar last year. Hollands and Blair were difficult to play against. Deal have been building under Steve King. So it will be very tough. But yeah, for us, we're, we're building towards the league campaign. Um, we're hopeful that we'll be able to get some friendlies in and maybe the Vars can almost act as a friendlies in a, in a roundabout way. Um, but for us, in terms of new players, it's more about retention. We, we've worked really hard to keep our core of our players because we, we we felt that we were very good last year and hopefully we don't want to rest on our laurels and, and we're certainly not standing still, but player retention rather than player recruitment has certainly been the order of the day for us. And I suppose just finally, while, while other clubs around the place may have been sort of struggling and, and worrying about the future, I suppose because of the unique, unique nature of Corinthian, you're probably in a better situation than most. Yeah, it, it's not really affected us, to be honest, and certainly not on the playing side. We, we don't have a budget, as everyone knows, so we've not had to worry about sponsors or anything like that. And it is a unique club from that sense. And I think, I'm probably speaking out terms slightly, but I think the sports club has actually made money during uh, lockdown and during COVID because it's closed down and it's not had any overhead. So, yes, we've had to maintain the pitches, but we have a groundsman. We have two groundsmen on site, so they've carried on working. But yeah, in terms of the playing thing, it, it's not affected us. We've not even considered it because we, 
the players that we speak to, they hopefully understand the situation. And even players that I've spoken to this summer have said, well, yeah, but actually, what have you got for us? But no, we haven't got anything. Um, and the players that we've currently got obviously know the situation. So, yeah, we're, we're in a situation where it hasn't affected us whatsoever. So we've, we've just carried on and we've, we've spoken to all of the players from the squad and we want, that we wanted to keep. And there'll be natural movement. Of course, there will be. But, but we're hopeful that the majority of the squad will sign on as and when we get those dates. And there's, of course, one other game you might have, the Kent Senior Cup final against Sheppey, which would have been an absolute blockbuster of a game. But the, the Kent FA are still hopeful of playing that, aren't they? Yeah, so that was a bit of a strange one to be honest, because my understanding was that that was cancelled and it was put on their website that the, the Kent Senior Cup final was cancelled and, again, completely understandable. And then the, the Kent FA chairman came out the other day and said that they would like to play it as a season opener, which, again, is great. Obviously, it's difficult because Sheppey will obviously have new players and will have new players. So it kind of detracts a little bit from last season. I imagine it will be more of like a charity shield type feel. Um, but again, it's an opportunity for one of the clubs to win some silverware and, and probably more importantly at that stage, get a, a competitive game under their belts before the, before the season starts. It's a tough one, isn't it, Matt? It's interesting how he says that it would take the shine off it and some people would rather would rather that the Vars be cancelled than play at Wembley without your, your family and friends there. It's, it's, it's a massive conundrum, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like it's going to go ahead. Interesting to see what he said there that it was going to be before the season starts. There's probably only a little window at the end of August there, so he'll get his players involved. Looking at it, a lot of players looking at it in the in the, tro- in the trophy. A lot of players have moved on, so some of these clubs may be struggling to get players in. I, I think um, Corinthians have kept the majority of their squad. Of course, it, when they go out, the trophy players may want to go up to a different level. But interesting to see from that again, one-legged halfway through. And when I saw the um, it was going to be a one-legged tie played at a neutral venue, I thought, blimey, there's not much to be between Corinthians and Newcastle. Where are they going to play it there? And St George's does make a the obvious statement. Yep. Let's, I, I, I presume we're going to find out very, very shortly because there's bits and pieces coming out from the various leagues of when the season's going to start. So it should be soon. And, and they deserve their day in the sun. I have to say completely from this and let's hope that it will happen. And hopefully the majority of the players who are still there in March are, are still at the club and they can have their, and they can have their time at Wembley if they can get there. Yeah, very important that you're not allowed to go out and sign players just for this. Players, as Michael said, they have to be registered uh, because obviously, they're, they're, what's to stop a, a team higher, a team like Heaven, um, going to some players from a higher level and saying, "Well, look, come and play for us for these three, ga- these two games at the start," and you could one of them could be at Wembley, and, and that would not make it a level playing field. I think it's it will be interesting. And you talk about the intensity of the playoff games. What will the intensity be like there? Um, my exact words when I found out about it being a, a potential a, a semi-final one-legged match at a neutral ground were. Um, that's going to be somewhere unbelievably miserable in the Midlands, isn't it? Uh, so that, that's uh, and and St George's does make sense because it's a good place. And and Michael makes a good point there about the crowds that they get at that day. I mean, we've been to that day. We went to the the when Bromley were there in the FA Trophy. If it's possible, I think so. The FA Trophy is a different conundrum because that could attract a bigger crowd, especially if teams from from the local area sort of get there. But the FA Vars realistically the reason that they have this day where both the finals are it doesn't get a big crowd in does it so is there a possibility that we could be see supporters at the FA Vars could be used as a test event I see there was test events in France wasn't there I think in France you can have a 5,000 people in an outdoor arena and I think there was a test event there that 
Paris Saint-Germain could be using it. I presume they've got to work it out how we work out the percentages, but there's no reason why you couldn't say as a test event for the VARs, 15,000 people can maybe rock up and see how they can do it. Easy to social distance. And then that shows where we go from there. So it's, do you think, John, by if the league, which we think is going to start September the 12th, which is what, two months away, do you think there'll be spectators there in some way or another? I presume there probably is. Otherwise, these leagues wouldn't be getting excited. Yeah, I think so. I think there's got to be. We've It's been said all along to, to us, both on and off the record, that there is no way our non-league clubs can play without crowds. So that there's got to be uh, some way of of making this happen with with, atten- with with people in attendance and it is going to be that or or nothing isn't it so it's 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 one of those but I think as far as I'm concerned it, it's 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 got to be crowds that have got to be in it and that's why they're cautiously looking at this September date to, to see what happens yeah it, it seems to be I've heard certain ones it could be the end of September or the middle of September but again what that means for the it must be I think I think the, the Premier League's at the 24th. They're announcing what how they're doing it, and I presume everybody will stand in in line with that. But maybe looking middle of September, we'll get going. A lot of midweek games, a lot of us to we'll be um, picking over a lot of it, action in the midweeks when we're back on regularly, John. So interesting times ahead. But yeah, keep an eye out. But it seems to be football is coming back, which is when we first thought about it in. Uh, April, May time. We didn't think we'd see it this time, this side of this year. So that's absolutely fantastic. Yes, indeed. I've just had a quick look, as uh, as per Michael said, about the attendances since it's been the the, the finals day uh, of the trophy and the Vars. Uh, Forty six thousand uh, was the first one, then thirty eight thousand, thirty one thousand, and last year's was forty two thousand, uh, with two teams in in the uh, in the Vars at least who who are certainly close uh, to the London area. But um, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be crowded. And as you say, there will be a lot of games being played catch up. I think the season might go on a bit longer. But obviously, we know there are issues with with Wembley Stadium being used for uh, Euro 2020 fixtures. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be different. We know it's going to be different, but then life is different now. So you just we're just going to have to cope with it. And uh, I, I just want to, to get some sort of solution and, and for us to be back doing what we do best, some would say doing what we do best and talking about regular non-league football. Yeah, exactly. Um, this weekend will be it'll be good. Keep looking out for the results. Just get back in, seeing the people we've missed over the last six or so months and getting back in and beginning to dream again. When you look at Wickham Wanderers, where they were you know, quite a few years ago as a non-league club and what they've achieved now, you can realise that maybe one day that could be your team get into those fantastic heights and that's why we love football so much it certainly is and, and uh, of course everyone's health is is our uh, is our prior priority but we just want to get back to football because this is a football podcast uh, i don't know if you've seen matt but our good friend uh, phil at fa cup fact file now has a, a another account fa vars fact file so that's definitely worth uh, worth looking into is he's basically running a similar service but for, for the vars and that's a, a great thing to do because the, the vars is a competition we perhaps didn't know uh, too well too much about but Martin, we know how much it means to people, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. What a job that must be. That's a stat man's heaven. Yeah, keep an eye on that. And I see you, you you did your FA Cup fact file piece on there, John. And there's some highly esteemed colleagues, of, or highly esteemed people have done that as well. So you're in good uh, good, uh, good order there. Some ex-players the lot. So you did well to get involved in that. Ray Houghton was, was one earlier, yeah. wasn't he? Oh, well done. So really have you seen stuff. today's? Oh, I've seen it today. That's how I found it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, a Dover Athletics, a fellow Dover Athletics yeah, supporter. Yeah. In 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 um 
speech marks when it means to, but that's a different story. <laughs> but he, his highlight was still that game at, at yeah, Priestfield. He, but he was sitting next to me that game, to be honest. So um, yeah. we both did get excited very together. Blimey, and, and, he's st- and it's still one of his highlights when he was sat next yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We did certainly that against the Peterborough game as well, but that wasn't one of our highlights this season. So he does turn up for the big game. So. <laughs> Uh, so moving on then to uh, a surprising change of manager at VCD Athletic. We've spoken to Keith McMahon, we spoke to him well, not, not too many weeks ago about the future of the club and everything like that. And, and he was effectively Mr. VCD. But the news came out a couple of weeks ago that VCD had decided to part company uh, with Keith McMahon. And, and Nick Davis, the former Sittingbourne and Ramsgate manager, another friend of the show, ha- has got the job. Uh, really good appointment, really good bloke. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll be very, very keen to do well. And I'm sure he will do well. But I was, I'm was, i still surprised at the Keith McMahon news, Matt. Yeah, I think he was surprised as well, wasn't he? They, they had a good season. I think they were in eighth or so position when they last season going into this. Had a good season, always solid outfit in that um, Devon Bostick South division. So it was a surprise. They've gone with Nick Davis. Nick Davis had a good start at both those jobs, and it you know didn't really work out for him at Ramsgate. When I think he had a, a decent enough budget, he's gone into VCD and see if he can do it. But I've got a feel for Keith McMahon, and I'm sure a lot of managers, you know, you know, a lot of clubs will look at him if they start badly next season because. He knows his level very well. And I, and I do feel for him a little bit because he, he didn't see it coming, but he'll go again, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, he did such a phenomenal job there. And, and as I say, he was Mr. VCD. You couldn't think of VCD Athletic without thinking about the job uh, that Keith has done there in the, in the last few seasons to get them uh, to the level that they're at. And, and I'm sure he won't be out of the game too long uh, as long as he gets to get in. But Nick Davis uh, did well at Sittingbourne. Didn't quite work out for him as he was hoping at Ramsgate like, at the start of what is, I think it's still this season, um, yeah. but it, it's a chance for him. I, I know he's he's sort of more that sort of area as well, that way up the up the county. Uh, he, I'm I pretty sh- would say he probably has played for VCD as well. So uh, an opportunity uh, for Nick Davis to, to maybe right the wrongs from his time at Ramsgate. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the chances that for that. You know, Ramsgate when we looked to them this time last year, they well, I mean, they're going to do all right. The signings they've made, and again, Ramsgate have made some decent signings again this season as well. So. Um, yeah, it didn't work out for him there, the poor season. But I think he's respected in the game. He's played at a lot of levels. He probably knows the non-league circuit and non-league players. And maybe that's the reason that they wanted to change. But I know VCD have been in the Ryman Premier, I think, before. Maybe they've got aspirations to get there. But good luck to Nick and we'll keep an eye out for the, the um, thing there. But another, another tough division next season, the, the, the Bostick South. So, again, we, you look at all the leagues. and Apart from what we, maybe we think Sheppey are going to be the... Um, no, sorry, yeah, Chatham are going to be the main sides in the uh, in the in the uh, scaffold. Other leagues, we've got no idea how they're going to go until they actually get going. No, uh, moving up to the Isthmian League Premier Division, of course, we've got uh, Margate, where Jamie Coyle is in as uh, assistant manager to Jay Saunders, who's who's got a, a new right hand man, who's someone who he knows very, very, very well. Obviously, Jamie's uh, been co manager. Uh, at Dartford, it was, it was at Highs last season, but to bring him in just shows that Jay Saunders is, is, is trying to focus in, in the right way, I suppose, by getting in a right-hand man who he knows he can really, really trust. He obviously had Mike Sandman before, but Coyle will be his own man. Yeah, and it'll be a leader on the pitch for him, I would have thought, as well. Um, captain, solid at the back. Didn't work for him too, you know, didn't work out for him at Dartford, but, um, but they had a good first sort of half a season and it went from there. Yeah. Um, interesting to see where they're going to go, Margate, from that, see if they can get their ground going over. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Jay Saunders putting down people he knows and respects at that level 
And you would have thought if he can get his players in, they'll be one of the sides challenging at the right end of the table. So big year for Margate, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've signed up seven of their players uh, from last year. Geordie Robbins, uh, Reese Prestige, Liam Friend and Jack Richards uh, all staying put. Richards, obviously, a, a very decent player there. And as well as that, we also have uh, Ben Swift, the captain, Jay Porter and Noel Layton, very handy goal scorer, staying put. And they've also uh, dipped into the Ismini Southeast to sign winger John Ufua from Whitstable Town. Uh, I know he had a, a good impact to Whitstable last season, uh, having joined them from Leatherhead, uh, four goals and, and many assists uh, for the Oyster men. So a, a good opportunity for him to, to come back to this level and show what he can do. Yeah, I think we might find it a lot of the signings we've seen that players are picking players up from lower levels. From the, so be, there'll be a, if you can find that gem, um, of course, we know that Jason is like playing with wingers when he was at Maidstone as well. So if they can get, um, Noel Layton's not, I wouldn't say a prolific goal scorer, but a good player to play off. If they can get a go, um, a target man, maybe that, uh, the new guy can, um, provide the ammunition for that. I think that's what, that will be a key thing for Margate is get a proven goal scorer in. They've lost Reeves, who I liked as well, but somebody at this level who can score goals can make all the difference. Yeah, more squad building being done down in the Southern Counties East League as well. Uh, did you see Chatham's latest uh, latest signing, Matt? Ryan Hayes, yeah. Ryan I, I Hayes, indeed. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I wondered if he was going to be involved with the Dartford. Well, he, he was in and out at Dartford. I thought they might utilise him a little bit, maybe in this time. Uh, for the playoffs if they had him available because you know he, he can change it a little bit but he's gone there but they, they will be you would have thought they'd score well you know the Scaffold's a league that likes goals so I would have thought there'd be plenty of goals going in there but yeah phenomenal signing again at that level he could drop a shoulder and whip a ball in and, and Pugh and Bradshaw will be there in the middle yeah, to yeah, yeah. Come in. Yeah. exciting times for Chatham I bet they can't wait the season start no, I bet they can't. Also making some signings at Lordswood. Uh, Neil, Man- Neil Hunter, their new manager, uh, has, has snapped up a, a plethora of players, including experienced goalkeeper uh, Rob French uh, will be there. Um, and looking down the side, Dave Bottrell, former Faversham and Ashford man. Uh, and Hichamakazan, uh, a man who certainly has, has, has play- done his, his fair share in the, uh, in the leagues, hasn't he? Playing for Sittingbourne. And Sheppy, and it looks like Neil Hunter's going to build a, a half decent squad at Lordswood. And as saying to Michael Golding, both on and off the record, what a division the Scaffold is. Yes, it's going to have a clear favourite in Chatham, but all the other teams are going to be there, aren't they? That you're still going to have your Beckhams, your Corinthian, your Sheppy, and Hollands and Blair. He mentioned Lordswood have got some good signs there. Tunbridge Wells are going to be absolutely, absolutely flying for it. One, maybe two promotion places. Anything but over that league. I'm just going to, every Saturday when I get in, I look at it, I'm expecting goals, goals, goals. A lot of sides uh, will be going for it. And I know, you know, the money that's being paid, Chatham with the side that everybody's going to be trying to, to knock off their perch. But it's a really good, decent league that. So, and some good sides in it. Absolutely. Also uh, in the Scaffold Division 1, Snodland Town, uh, who we spoke to uh, a few weeks ago, have made a, a lot of signings, announced their new uh, their new squad. Uh, unsurprisingly, quite a few of their players uh, have come from Staplehurst alongside the manager, which we thought might happen. Uh, they've also kept a couple of players um, for from Snodland as well. Last year, Snodland captain Steve Sage and signed three players from Thanet United uh, as well. So uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it, to to see the way that Luke Walland is going about building his squad. He signed 14 so far, and and getting his business done early is going to be key as well. Yeah, I, I think. I- I think, as I mentioned earlier, you you can bring players in, but you won't pay them. It gets your contacts in the thing. You've just got to go out there 
and see what you can do when the season starts. You've got players probably chomping at the bit now who want to get going into action. So early start, early moments of the season are going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, and also one other quick signing that I do want to mention. I know there are loads out there and uh, we, we've missed them, I'm sure, but plenty of them. But Dan Johnson uh, signing for Herne Bay is, is another good capture as well. Uh, obviously played for the former Bromley man uh, as a Dartford and, and, and all sorts. He's he's a, And was at Margate last season. That's a really, really, really good signing for, for Herne Bay. And he's already made 99 appearances for the club. So his, 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 his second debut will be doubly special. Yeah, he's been up through the leagues. Um, home Bay again, you know, doing it, got a new uh, logo and really, again, a side that are doing well. I'm sure um, our mate uh, Smith there will be uh, really excited about it. Yeah, a lot of clubs have probably looked at the lockdown and worked on a few things to make things a little bit better and they're going for it. A lot of sides are going to go for it next season. So exciting times. Yeah, our mate Smith there. Sorry about that, Ben. He's obviously Ben, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> dear. Um, so obviously, yeah, it looks like we're going to be uh, on in September. But I did just want to, before we move on away from the football stuff, I just want to bring up a tweet uh, that I posted last week after Kevin Watson said about he, he was planning on moving to Barbados, very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, did you see the team, Matt, based in Dover and what they're called? No, I didn't, John. What was this? They're called Paradise FC. Now, I don't know about you, mate, but I've always associated the word Paradise with Dover. Um, well, it is. The paradise, it's... Uh... No, well, interesting. There's plenty of Dovers around. When I went to Australia, I went to a place called Dover. So it's a famous old place, but Paradise FC in Dover, that definitely seems once um, my visiting there. So they said to go to, you should go there because it's one of the safest places in the world, isn't it? Something Barbados or something, is that right? Yeah, I think so, yes. Uh, and I think it was uh, there was some good opportunity for people moving into the country and that was what uh, piqued Kevin Watson's interest. And then nice. when he said about just got to find a job now, I thought I'd see the names of the teams in the Barbados League. And uh, sure enough, I uncovered uh, that based in the town of Dover uh, are Paradise FC. Now, I do have a very, very bad taste joke, which I'm not going to make. But if you've got any suggestions of what that might be, uh, do get in touch with us on Twitter and I'll, I'll happily tell you if you were thinking along the same lines as I was. But it's... Uh, it's not particularly very nice. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much covered the football. So let's talk about uh, the, the more important stuff, our, our lives. And Matt, I, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Uh, during the lockdown uh, and 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 since it's been eased a little bit, I've been trying to give things away. This is impossible. I do not know what's wrong with people. Uh, I, had, I, I have and still have, funnily enough, uh, about a thousand shower caps. Now, the... the local hospital wanted the shower caps so i offered them no didn't want them changed their mind that's they don't you need them because we've lit well we need them for the rooms obviously but i'm not kidding you i've got two massive boxes full and and we are never we people don't use them so they are it literally it is not just a lifetime supply these will still be here when coronavirus has wiped us all out and the aliens you, have come as well they'll still be these mask? shower caps oh, what's a good mask? idea don't know possibly that's not a bad idea then after that i had some um some sachets of uh, ketchup and brown sauce uh that all unfortunately expired the dates uh during the course of of june so that means obviously uh, it's only a best before date and we're pretty it, it, downstairs when it comes to our own food we're very very uh, lax about best before dates uh, but upstairs of course we can't have stuff that's past its best before date so i thought well i know what i'll do i'll get in touch with the food banking and give them to them Nope, we can't accept it. Now, that annoyed me as well. Why? Because it's out of date. Because it's out of date. And it's like, well, you know, 
beggars can't be choosers and all that, but obviously <laughs> in this case they can be. Um, and then finally, just to completely wind this up, uh, charity shops. I've got three bags full of stuff in my car. I have tried to take it so far to two different charity shops. Uh, the first one is doing appointments uh, is doing appointments only uh, for, for collection. And I went in there with my stuff and they said, no, we're not taking it. Then there was another one that said, oh, yeah, we are doing donations. So I went, I drove around there this morning. Oh, we're not accepting donations this week. So eventually I phoned back the first one and said, when's your next slot for um, for um, donations to be made? So I've now got to keep the hold of this stuff, three bagfuls of stuff until the 27th of July. I know that's a big day in your life, Matt, yeah. and it's going to be a big day in my life because I'm getting rid of that nonsense out the back of the car. But honestly... You can't give stuff away. I, I, I want to help the charity. Yeah, they don't want it. What's going on? I've got a big bag full of it in my wife's car as well. And every time I go wander around and I see it, and they do say, no clothes, please. So, um, um, yeah, I think it's probably, again, like anything in life, you probably have to jump through hoops in your business that I think they have to fumigate them for like 72 hours and these places yeah. haven't got them to do it. So you can see from, from there... What, what they're doing so yeah it's it's a little bit frustrating I, i'm surprised the food banks haven't taken them to be honest in, in, yeah when my uh, mother-in-law used to run the guest house we used to get you know bits and pieces like the beer they couldn't give away and things like that there's nothing wrong with it so it seems i'm sure that yeah it seems have, have you put anything out on twitter or anything like that so that people can do they want sachets of them. but i reckon those um no, they're gone, they're gone. They're in the bin. I sunk them in the bin. I, 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 once I tried to give them away once, I thought, you know what? I just want them out of the house. Put them in the bin. They've gone to the great landfill in the sky. Um, I think the shower, if you can put a little bit of string on there, mate, that could be a new mask, could be a new trend. Are they different colours or are they all blue? No, they're just plain see-through ones. They're, they're rubbish. I'm not going to get one out. Yeah, I might do a job. I mean, I've got, I've got some masks and um, yeah, I, I actually wore one for the first time today. Uh, wasn't, I don't particularly like it, but uh, it was funny. Sorry. Your glasses steam up. That is an issue. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, basically I, I, I got quite annoyed. Yes. I mean, I, Someone said that um, telling people now to put face masks on is akin to uh, taking condoms to a baby shower, which I agree with. Um, um, but this morning, the rules now are that, or the, the regular, well, obviously it comes in next week. It's mandatory to wear them in shops. I've got masks. So I thought, do you know what? I'll, I'll just, I'll just bite the bullet and I will, I will wear them now. Uh, I'll wear my mask now. Uh, and a, a colleague, a former colleague of mine, uh who i used to work with it when i worked at the papers uh put this on twitter and this sums up my thoughts absolutely perfectly it's absolutely fine he said to accept that masks are necessary in people pe keeping people safe but also think that when one in public is uncomfortable unnatural and generally a bit bleep spare me that oh it's not really that hard sanctimony it's it kind of is for many people and that's how i f i really feel and the thing i don't like about it is it covers your face is your defining feature and you know i, I i'm not my miserable git most of the time but i do like to smile at people and talk to people and i do feel really uncomfortable but you just get all the people all the sanctimonious people going well you're selfish if you say you don't like wearing a mask it's not i will wear a mask that is the rule i will wear it i wore one this morning doesn't mean i like it and to say that you don't like something doesn't mean that you're a, a, someone who wants the whole world to get the virus. It just means you have an opinion. And I don't understand why in this social media age, people aren't allowed to have an opinion without being jumped on. I mean, some 
um, sad acts with nothing better to do. I retweeted this tweet and some sad acts had nothing else to do. Started responding, saying that we were um, that I was whining and selfish. And I was just like, no, I'm not being selfish. And uh, it's just it it just it really got my goat. I muted her in the end. So she's probably still ranting away to no one. Well, my theory is what why what has changed in four months that we at the beginning of this we weren't wearing masks and now we've had to wear masks now so that's, that's exactly my th- it, 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 some of the decision making in this whole process is uh, from there but you know, you've got to wear masks you've got to wear masks but i think a lot of people in the shops will probably won't go to the shops because maybe they, they they feel uncomfortable with it I'll, I'll wear one but again people team people like amazon will just get my business more than that because i say i can't bother to go to the shop because you'll get there oh, i've got me mask and things like that but um if it's keeping us safe, uh, it's there. But some of the policies of where you can wear, got to wear it in a shop, but not in a pub. It just doesn't make any sense. But then you can't, you can't wear a mask in a pub because how are you going to have a drink? Uh, but but why why are they, why have they taken so long to do this? It just doesn't make any sense. No, that's that's just, if if as if it had been in March, they'd said right, you got to wear a, a mask in the shops. Then fine. Let, let, then I'll you know oh it's fine anyway. That is the rule. I, I will abide by the rules. I don't have a problem with that. But. You know, it's, it, but all I was saying was, and all Glenn was saying when I retweeted this tweet was, yeah, it's fine. We've got to wear them. We know that, but it doesn't mean we like it. it it's not, oh, I'm being muzzled or anything like that. It is just, it's just a plain and simple fact that it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. And and I'm not going to apologise for that. No, um, I, I, but again, we'll see how this lasts. But it's just some of the decision making, we're not, we're not turning this into politics, uh, has been made and this whole thing has been just bizarre. And but. But there you go. But the will. But again, will we? Would you need to? I suppose it's outdoors football. You don't need to wear one. But no, okay, no, I got no idea. Um, before we move on to the breaking news that I'm going to bring shortly, uh, what have you been watching on the telly lately? I, I've watched all nine series of Peep Show. Again, Blimey. do like a bit of Peep Show. So um, we're on to Fear the Walking Dead. We found again uh, Harrow, which is an, on Amazon, which is a Australian medical drama with Ian Guffoy. You know the guy who was in that one that was in Deal? No. The Welsh guy. You know him if you saw him. He's in that. No. Um, not much, not much, too much else, really. Um, nothing's really taken my fancy, so. Um, yeah, you haven't watched This Is Us yet, then? No, my mum's watching that, though. Oh, She's she well into it. She's well into that, yeah. We have hammered through. So we started off after about, uh, we started off about four or five episodes into series two. We're now, uh, about seven episodes into series four we lit it's literally the only thing we've been watching because we just love it it's phenomenal and also manifest uh the second series of manifest finished last week the one where they went on the plane and it went missing okay. uh the finale to the second series was incredible so looking That's forward right, to the third series of that yeah but it's uh yeah that's a, that's a really good program really enjoyed that uh enjoyed watching that a lot so breaking news you ready yep. i have there was a drum roll. I have the prices for the National League South playoff streaming. All right. Uh, single matches prior to the finals will be charged at five ninety nine each. The finals will be six ninety nine each. Uh, but you will be able to purchase match bundles, all ten games, uh, for fourteen ninety nine, and the package just including the two playoff finals, which are both due to take place on the first of August. Uh, I've been priced at nine ninety nine to watch the two playoff finals. Uh, so that's from Sports Pro Media. Well, I, I know someone said there's some games on uh, on the Sunday at the same time, but yeah, I think they are currently scheduled to be on at the same time, aren't they? Is this is this like a YouTube thing? Will you be able to 
Chromecast it to your telly or have you got to watch it on a laptop, one of these things? That I don't know. All I know is what I've literally just read, which was a screenshot from an article by sportspromedia.com. Let me just have a quick look. Uh, to, to, to do the games you know, live and exclusive coverage from all 10 matches being played. Uh, it's, well, it's good plug for them. If, if they can, it'd be perfect for Dartford in their bars, won't it? So they've probably got a projector they can put it on there. So I'm sure the, the Dartford at uh, Princess Park, the um, ground will be absolutely buzzing, I expect, from there with the supporters along their social distance and they'll be supporting them there. But I'm sure you'll still get the hardcore fans who will be standing outside Slough's ground cheering the boys on. So. Did you hear about that fella um, last night? I retweeted uh, about it. Uh, a Hull fan who drove from Hull to Wigan to sit outside the the stadium and listen to the game on the radio. Uh, and when he got <laughs> when he uh, got there, because he was late, they were already 3-0 down. And obviously, uh, they went on to lose by eight goals to nil. But if you are driving from Hull to Wigan to sit outside a football stadium and listen to a match on the radio, I'd suggest you have bigger problems than an 8-0 away defeat, no? Well... Well, he's, he's the kind of listener we want on our pod, John. That's dedication. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right out there, if you would be, if you were, if you would do that for your team, is there any Dartford fans who are just bizarrely going to Slough for a day on a Sunday to visit a, a restaurant and then be near the ground? Please let John or I know if you're going to do that. So I'm Absolutely. sure the people who will be there. Tweet us a picture. Why not? Exactly outside the ground. So Slough's Town's ground. We could go to good guys. So you go to Legoland and then. Pop along there afterwards, I Yeah, what, 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 treat the wife and the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you everybody for listening uh, to this week's Kent Only podcast. It's, it's nice to be back. We're obviously back uh, for as long as Dartford keep on playing, basically. Uh, we'll be on next week if they've lost. Yeah, we'll be on. Yeah, so whenever Dartford lose, we're finished. But if they keep winning, if they win the playoffs, we'll also finish at the end of the playoffs. Uh, so we'll be, on, we will be back next week giving some background on that if we can. We certainly um, will. Then depends if they get knocked out, we then we end it for a few weeks from there. But we we'll keep you informed anyway, and appreciate the numbers were pretty pretty good. To be honest, they in lockdown could probably be better to do. But thanks for sticking with us on the pod. And a few people actually missed us, didn't they, John? As well, you had a couple I think of so. Yeah, someone did tweet actually tweet and say, "Where's the podcast? I'm really missing it." So I'm glad that we are back uh, for you. You can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. We're on Facebook as well. If you search Kent Non League. Uh, podcast you'll find us on there i'm at john phipps 81 matt is at matthew underscore gerard uh give us a follow don't forget to review the podcast tell your friends about the podcast especially if you've enjoyed it if you thought it was rubbish please just keep quiet it's absolutely fine uh but yeah thank you everybody for listening thank you to steve king thank you to michael golding thank you of course to matthew gerard and we will speak to you all next week it is what it is john see what happens